Welcome to More Than Hashtags, a practical social media podcast that provides real application, what's working, what's trending, and what's next. We're going to do a little something different today. We're going to aim for a 22-minute podcast because this is an experiment. I'm Adam Lidecker, Director of Social Strategy at Auto Radio, OTTO Radio. And I'm Vincent Orlick, the CMO at Brandish Social and president of Social Media Club Phoenix. And Adam, as you well know, I'm throwing this plug in real quick. We're in the throes We're getting of the close. final preparations of Social Media Day Phoenix, June 30th, Friday. So for anyone listening to this, if you're in Phoenix, go to Eventbrite, search for Social Media Day Phoenix. It'll come up. Um, if you're not in Phoenix, we're also going to have a bunch of Facebook Live happening on our page during that day from the likes of Buffer, Zoomf, Zoomf. Uh, even one of our favorite people at Mashable, uh, reporter Kerry Car- Flynn, who reports a lot on social media and much, much more. For those not in the know. End plug. Well, for those not in the <laughs> know. Well, you go, yeah. What is Social Media Day? Oh, well, it's, it's a day to celebrate social media that was created by Mashable in 2010, I believe. Um, this is in Phoenix. This is the seventh year. First year that um, we have decided as the social media club to take up uh, and organize an event. Um, but we're looking forward to a huge, huge day. It's, we have it um, between Galvanize in downtown Phoenix and the warehouse district uh, is the first part of the day. Second part of the day is at Chase Field um, where the Diamondbacks are also playing that night. So there's some education, some fun some networking, um, and a good time to be had by all. Awesome. It's very much worth it. And it's, it's free for the galvanized portion. Um, there's a paid portion at Chase Field that uh, you do have to pay for a ticket to that part of the day. But you don't have to go that part of the day if you don't want to. But you get, a, you get the game. You get the game. You get a panel session with the sports, uh, the local sports teams with their um, – uh, social media representatives from each team, the people that are managing their day-to-day um, social media activities. So we're going to be learning a lot from them on on how they do things that and how it relates to like the regular local small business owner, what they can do uh, with those tactics. Same thing with with the whole rest of the day. Galvanize uh, a lot of education for local business owners on actionable tactics and strategies that they can walk away with and use and hang out that day and hanging out with a couple hundred cool people so yeah yeah it's gonna be good yeah i would say if if you're not in phoenix uh google social media day and your city there's probably one within there there's a good chance yeah it it depends i know denver um san diego is a big one with our buddy tyler anderson um denver's got a pretty big one going on this year um there's and some of the other cities like I know, uh, usually South Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. They've had ones in the past. Um, Philadelphia and New York City do have something happening. So awesome. check it out. So get ready, June twentieth, thirtieth. I know. Just joke. Don't scare me. <laughs> if it was the twentieth, I'd cancel it right now. Just check in. <laughs> I need that extra ten days. Well, let's get into the show, man. Um, as always, we just want to cover practical social media advice, real application, uh, stuff that's going to help us. And, 
And really one of the first things uh, I wanted to talk about, which is we can spin to be practical because Vincent and I have always had this experience happen to us in the past over the, like, the last 10 years. I'm, I'm sure of it. So unless you've been sleeping, um, I'm sure. All day. All, well, yeah, which you might've been. It's uh, been literally the last 24 hours. So, and if you're listening to this in the future, you, you know about this. So, cause, cause I don't, I don't listen. I got a tall glass of, uh, Kofefe right next to me right now. Mm. So that's yeah. not what it is, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so POTUS tweeted and uh, middle of the night and people thought he fell asleep or fell off the earth because he never finished his sentence. And, uh, I think it was supposed to be like press conferences or something or media. Uh, but the word was Kofefe. We can say it however you want. C-O-V-F-E-F-E. So which was just funny because tons of memes came out of this and tons of uh, uh, the internet was all a buzz, right? Which so, is, which when you think about it is really insane because it literally happened, what was it? 1 a.m. or so? East Coast time? Yeah, yeah. Right? And so West Coast, yeah, everybody, I mean, that was that's only like 10 10 30 or so you know depending on the exact time so we were all up like i mean i saw it i was i was awake but east coast people were jumping on it everybody was jumping on it it, it immediately was was like the top trend besides the sponsored so it was, it was half a tweet and the last word was spelled wrong but the last word c-o-v-f-e-f-e well to even say it was wrong who knows we no one knows what the word is the word it, it was exist. supposed to be the, the word didn't exist in google before of course not. Yeah. So essentially, <laughs> people are tweeting, oh, 10 minutes, tweet still up. Because typically when there's a misspelling, Coders takes it down. Um, and so one hour still up. So it didn't actually get taken down until the next morning. So where we lead to the question, um, mistake tweets happen, misspellings happen. Over the last 10, 15 years, I have had my fair share, I will admit. Um, oh sure. So really, what I'm you know posing back and forth between us and and uh, as a question out there to the to the listeners, what do you do? You know, what do you do when you're in a situation like this? Um, do you delete and correct right away? Um, it's different if you're a brand or an individual versus like the president of the United States. Um, do you have a team that vets every tweet? A legal team? Do you schedule in advance and have these in a document? But regardless, mistakes are going to happen. You're going to say something either, you know, insensitive at the wrong time. You're going to like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Or like I said, I've had my fair share of misspellings. In fact, I have one friend, uh, Greg, who's probably listening, who's, who's laughing right now because he knows. Uh, I have, uh, I, can't, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, and apparently uh, there's some dialect issues in Pennsylvania. So in phrases, you're looking at me. See, you're listening at me very weird right now, Vincent. Um, I, kn- I think I know what you're going to – are you, yeah, yeah, you going to so, talk about the yins? No, no. Uh, well, there's no, um, there's no G in Pennsylvania. So, we, like they say, fishing, hunting. They never oh, add the G sure. at the end. But one of the things I was chronically um, having issues with was adding the word to be. So, like, ne- this needs fixed instead of saying this needs to be fixed. Huh. Yeah, I would, and it wasn't just me. I found somebody else in San Francisco was born and raised in Pennsylvania that always leaves out to be. Uh, That's one I hadn't heard. I and I lived in Maryland for a couple of years, which is 
very close to Pennsylvania yeah. and, and ties in. Like there's a lot of people that kind of either go back and forth or have lived in one and then live in the other. Um, so anyways, I mean, that's very, yeah. it's very embarrassing. <laughs> I never heard that one before. You know, I did a corporate tweet. I did a corporate tweet, uh, maybe a Facebook post actually. So like almost 2 million people. And uh, there's a lot of really smart, quick, sharp people that will pick up on all of that very quickly. And it makes the brand look bad. So in a situation like that, I just fix it, you know? But I think there are situations, and I don't know if you've had any of these, where I would think like a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks or something like that, um, or Wendy's. I think they could play with it a little bit. You could leave it up, and you could be like, oh, didn't have my Dunkin' this morning, obviously, you know? So, I mean, have you had any of these issues, and, and what have you what have you done? The well, there's different types of mistakes. I mean, there's there's the misspellings versus you tweeting something like insensitive that you catch a lot of flack for from the audience um, or off brand, or even a total mistake where for all the social media managers out there who have the Twitter app on their phone and went to tweet something, tweeted it, and <laughs> The one time when it's not a good thing that you can manage like a bunch of accounts through the, just the native Twitter app, which I love by the way. Um, but I've definitely done that with, with um, brands in the past where, you know, on, on a different brand, I thought I was tweeting on my own or on like just something else that I manage and it wasn't anything bad, but it was just, it was like a personal yeah. opinion or uh, observation, something stupid like about sports, whatever. And it goes out on, you know, on the wrong account, um, you just delete it. I mean, in general, honestly, um, I think most of the time, if that happens, if you're a brand, you can, you'll be okay if you just delete it as soon as you see it. Right. Um, if it's really quick, most people won't catch it or won't catch it. They may see it, but don't have time to like screenshot it and start criticizing you or making fun of you. Um, although it's these days, it's, it's getting a lot, um, better. For them, <laughs> for, the, for the users to yeah. they're getting a lot quicker. Um, so I would say, like in that second situation, like I'm just gonna keep using like a Dunkin', yeah. Donuts, Dunkin Donuts experience because that's an easy one to fix. I think, like, I think like people are gonna notice. They're gonna screenshot. You're gonna start seeing replies and, and retweets and people making fun. You could just say like, "Looks like Johnny, our social media director, didn't have his coffee this morning." Like, I think there is situations like in my situations. I caught it. I deleted it. I moved right. on. Um, I agree. Which in most, in most small business situations, yeah. I think with the followings that a small business usually has, as long if you, if you like realize your mistake right away and you delete it, you're, you're probably fine. And um, in most cases, I think you're going to be fine. Well, and I would say like, you brought up a good point. Like I'd be, whether you're a small business, local coffee shop or big business, you got to know who has access to those accounts. Right. Because like what you just said, somebody tweeting from the wrong account. I have thankfully never done that. I managed some very large brands and have never done that because, because of the horror stories, because the people getting fired. And so, I mean, it, it could be that bad, but I don't tweet anything that's, that's, that's crazy personally anyways. Uh, but in any case, I mean, I, somebody wanted access to the a Facebook account to see stats. Next thing I know, we tweeted about taking our, our son to Harry Potter to go see Harry Potter for the weekend. Well, it was one of my team leaders who mistakenly posted on the, on the brand Facebook account. Uh -huh. 
honest mistake <laughs> happened again. Uh, but it's good to, to know uh, who has access to that kind of stuff, access. Um, the other thing I would say, which you, you're probably well aware of, because we schedule tweets. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of manual. We also schedule tweets. Oh, good point. Yeah, go ahead. So, like a tragedy. Um, something like you, you got a campaign rolling. you got to be hyper aware, super aware. Um, and sometimes, like, I wish there was just a pause button. But, I mean, I, I'm sure that you've, you have uh, can, not canned, but, but essentially shifted or paused campaigns or, or pulled tweets and stuff when – I've, to be honest, I've been pretty lucky. I, there hasn't been something that, at least that I can remember, that, I, that I've had to deal with in, in the sense of like a tragedy necessarily. Um, there's, it's been more of something's happened and um, it's, we were going to do something. I gotcha. And decided not yeah. to. Not to post it all that day? Yeah. yeah or, yeah, or to switch up like um, – the one uh, here in Arizona, we had the Yarnell yeah. firefighters tragedy, and um, that was something that affected, like, you know, if, if you manage social media and you're in Arizona, um, yeah, I mean, you want to, you're either going to have your brand, like, say something or, or not at all. Because that's, and that happens a lot where it's, it's tacky. Yeah. You know, brands, brands come across like they try to inject themselves into yeah. conversations about a tragedy or something, and the, and it's happened multiple times where we've seen it, and they've left it like they did it on purpose, where well, they, they put like their their brand their logo yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on something, um, or they just try to inject themselves into it for the purpose of, hey, look at us too, right. and we want to take advantage of the the traffic around this hashtag or or this event. Um, so there's all kinds of approaches. I, you know, in that specific thing, I, I tend to, unless it's, I, I tend to recommend that people kind of stay away from those tragedies. Um, you know, it's different, like a holiday, like Memorial day, right. That, that just passed. It's, it's, I think it's totally okay for any brand to honor the day in the right way. Sure. But again, I'm sure you saw some. I know I did. Yeah. I'm not going to call them out, but um, <laughs> where they, they just tried to commercialize it. Yeah. So I think like we, we could just title this whole section right here, awareness, like social media awareness, like whether it's a, it's a, you know, flopped hashtag or misspelling or tweeting on the wrong day. Yeah. Um, you could see what ensues um, from a mistake. Um so I think like just being socially socially aware, and um, and there's a yeah. difference between like the honest mistake, like you mentioned, yeah. Which if you're the company or you're the business owner, and someone's like tweeting for you or posting for you, and someone makes an honest mistake where they accidentally posted like just a, a goofy sports opinion on your page, like don't fire someone over that, you know, right. unless it's a regular thing and they're just not paying attention to their job. If that, if it happens one time, like it's it's a mistake. Right. It didn't hurt anything. You took it, you take it down. You can even if you want to apologize for it, you can. But most likely, no one even really saw it or noticed it. If they did, they probably will message you <laughs> or say sure, something sure. about it. But but it's more along the lines of like kind of the the malicious stuff that if someone takes over, has access to your account, and and publishes something that's 
Well, it's kind of a, it's a good reminder. Like you should have, your account should have like a second admin. That's a good, because if you're asleep and somebody tweets something wrong, they could pull that down and they absolutely, and you have a conversation about having the rights to do that. Also, you should be aware of who has access because this rental employee that leaves and that has actually happened before with some Facebook accounts with like 20 million and the, the social media person like left, took the account and started working for like the competition. I mean, that's, I can't say much more than that, but. Oh, and just admin rights in general, like on Facebook pages, I can't tell you the year when I worked for the Facebook program, um, so many times people were like, they would call and their only thing was, well, the person that used to manage my Facebook page (laughs) isn't with the company anymore and they have it and they changed the password and they're the admin. How do I get that back? Well, yeah. Pay them. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck. I mean, it's just unfortunately that Facebook like doesn't, they're not going to get involved. There's so many of those. There's so many of those even now. Um, but, but yeah, so it's look, here's, here's the tip, right? Here's the actionable tip. If you're a business, someone's managing your, your social media, it sounds like a lot to do, but you got to do it. If that person leaves, even if it's on good terms, change the passwords on all the accounts. Yeah. Because they may they may tweet something or post something even on accident, you know, and you don't need that. So just every every time someone leaves the company for whatever reason, that is um, that is a somehow admin on your accounts. Change, just change the passwords one time through. Yeah, I mean you, you should you should do that. Keep your Kofifi uh, in check, <laughs> <laughs> wherever you pronounce it. Uh, that's good, man. Uh, the next, the next little segment we were going to talk about, actually won't get too deep into it, but we're talking about video and specifically Facebook. And I think, I don't think a lot of people understand or know this. Um, you probably know that most times when you personally see Facebook, you see a lot of video and there's a reason for that. Well, Vincent and I ran across someone who was posting a YouTube link and we know that YouTube doesn't hide or no, Facebook doesn't hide YouTube links. They just kind of like devalue them. And so really the tip we wanted to give is if you're going to post a video to Facebook, you want to actually upload that file to Facebook because Facebook gives that preference. It serves it to more people for reach and engagement. And you may not know that. Yeah. And this, this information, I mean, this isn't new information to those of us that are doing this every day on these channels. But uh, I mean, it's been around for at least a year. It's a good reminder for sure. Yeah, for for the for anyone that is that is like not as heavily into all this, and you happen to be listening to this, have the original video file. Even if you already uploaded it to YouTube, don't do the link. Just put the video file natively, meaning directly, onto your Facebook page, um, and upload it that way. And go through and and complete the the title, um, complete the description, the status update, complete the, the tags. Yep. Um, it gives you, I forget what the number, it might be like 10, the tags you can put on, on a Facebook video when you're uploading it. Um, try to use them all, you know, make, make them all relevant to what the video is. It could be the city that you're located in. It could be the, the, the state that's two right there. Uh, <laughs> it could be the topic. It could be 
the, the name, the type of business that you do. Um, it could be specific products that you offer, the, the genre of products. Um, so some of the things won't come up because it's, it's, it's not specific. Like if your business name, probably it's not going to come up in the tags. But what you do, the industry that you're in will, and there might be multiple ones for that. Um, so, you know, for instance, one of the, one of the ones we, we have is, is a custom, well, it's, it's a full service garage, but they also do some custom work. So we do like automotive service plus, um, classic cars, plus classic trucks, plus, um, renovate, like classic car renovation, something along those lines, plus car shows. Like it's, it's things that may not directly tie in, but that those, the people that are right. following those tags are going to likely want to follow your page or pay attention to what your, your content is. And I would encourage this, like, you're going to want to know if it's working. So like, right. you can take our word for it. We've been doing it a long time. We've seen it, but this is what I would do. Prove it to yourself. So like week one, post that YouTube link. And then go back, let it rock for a couple a day, check it a day, check it a week. And then look at the stats to see what's the reach, what's the engagement. And then you can download it off YouTube or you probably have it on your computer, upload it to Facebook, let it rock for a day and a week, and then write down and compare those measurements. And you're going to see a noticeable lift. And then on top of that, you can boost that post for a few dollars. One of the episodes we're going to talk about some tips on how to utilize Facebook ads. I mean, literally you could boost it for a dollar mm -hmm. um, and for a day or something. Yeah. You could boost that YouTube link, but you're going to send that traffic to your YouTube link, your YouTube page, which is okay. Which will be minimal traffic also and compared also, to the other. Yeah. yeah if it, I mean, this is a, like if it, it normally if a YouTube link would reach 10 people in a, in a video uploaded natively with a thousand. I mean, it, it's different depending on your page, right? But, but if you boost one, uh, natively uploaded video on your page, you're going to get all that traffic to your page engagement to your page. So we'll share more of those tips in the future on, on specifically Facebook, but give that a try. Um, I, I can't, can't leave this segment without at least you talking about also Facebook live video. Yeah. I mean, Facebook and uh, video in general, but, definitely live video. Um, Facebook wants you to use, to put video on their platform and wants you to go live. So they push it higher in the, in people's feeds. Um, and when you're done recording, it turns into a, just like an uploaded video. I feel right. like, I feel like that actually even gets more of a boost because people get notified and then it's, it lives on as well. Um, so it definitely, it depends. it's a combination. I, I mean, as much as we, we say that like Facebook likes video and likes live video and pushes it. Um, I mean, I've had both experiences too, where the live video I thought was going to go gangbusters and, and didn't yeah. um, the, the other, but not in, in the live portion, but keep in mind that right now the stat that's out there, that's pretty accurate from what I've seen, probably the same way, Adam is something like 80% of the views on a live video come on the replay. Um, unless, so this is, um, if you're like a celebrity, you have the verified check mark and you're using this, the, a different app called Facebook mentions that's for celebrities and verified users. That's a different story. We're talking about just the general Facebook business page, um, that goes live. Uh, if you, um, you want to, you want to go live, 
don't get frustrated if you only see five people or 10 people or 20 people watching you live. Also, don't sit there and like, oh, I'm going to wait for more people to come on. Right. Just, just do your video. <laughs> just go live, do your thing. You will get traction after that to some extent. It was, you, a, lar- it was a large percentage of views after the fact. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's literally, it's, it's like 80% of the views come after. On, on general um, Facebook Live videos on, on regular pages, on the average, it's like 80%. Now, that's not to say that you do a Facebook Live video. If, if your content, if what you're showing is like really, really cool and really interesting to, to your general audience, you could blow it up. I mean, you could get a bunch of people on there and then they start sharing it because it's, it's newsworthy or it's educational. It's got all this value. You know, the, the content still matters. I'm not going to say the, the catchphrase about content, <laughs> but the content is still important. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, really, even and how you title it uh, makes a difference. But generally, if the content is good, the title is going to kind of make itself. Well, it's, it's just everything. describing what it is. It's consistency. If you go live every Wednesday and they know what it is, if you, um, you can boost that as well. So right. you can actually let people know you're going to be, you can, you can use an event to schedule and people RSVP. There's a lot of, actually you can, you can schedule a live video and let people. RSVP. There's a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, so way there's a lot of ways. Now. So that's, that's definitely, um, for sure. Um, give it a try. Yeah. So I gotta say, not that I mean we're just doing this. So hey, I got I got a little timer going. Yep. Oh, I knew we were past the twenty-two minute mark. <laughs> we're we're, we're twenty-five, and we only have one second. As soon as I launched into the the initial promo blurb about social media day, I knew <laughs> like, we were gonna go past it. Yeah. No, it's it's good. What we're doing is like, this is like for you for social media to be practical. But we're also like getting into podcasting, and we'll do a whole segment about that once we have some learnings. You know. Yeah. Last week was uh, the seven and a half hour show. <laughs> yeah. If, and if you want to learn how to podcast from your garage, I can help you. Yeah. <laughs> I suggested that. How to kill it, a bug in your garage while you're on a podcast. I, I did suggest that Vincent opens the garage door so his neighbors can see him podcasting. It's that's only like, 90 degrees in my garage right now, but that's, that's okay. It's like the new thing. I love oh. Arizona. <laughs> I still do. do. I love Phoenix. We do. Next. All right. Well, so this is kind of like our industry news under the radar type thing. Not everybody listening may know who this person is. Uh, uh, Mary Meeker. Who? Uh, Mary Meeker. Never heard of her. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what she does. She works for Kleiner Perkins, but one of the things she does is every single year, she releases this internet trends report. So it's slides, it's analysis. It's not just slides. It's 355 slides of glory. And <laughs> for some, we're gonna we're gonna dance to one song and one song only. We're gonna dance to 355 songs, 355 songs only. But, but fear not, there's a video. Um, we'll put it in the show notes. She's actually presenting at Code Conference, going through. But what it is is like it's literally everything um, from new tech to healthcare to wearables to uh, soup to nuts. It's everything. And if you're, you know, a social media practitioner, a marketer, a startup, a small business, I recommend taking a look at this. Um, going and we'll in, put the link. We'll put the link in the Yeah, at least notes. like uh, on page one is like sections. It's like, you know, uh, media was page 160. So if there's a section that gaming is this page, if it applies to you, 
go scan it. And reason why is you want to be in the know of what's, what's happening next. Right. A uh, lot of this, I mean, there's like China internet, India internet for some of the folks that are local business. I mean, that's gro- like a yeah. bunch of pages you probably don't have to worry about. <laughs> like, yeah, the growth of, of internet in China. But um, I don't know. There's some cool ones in here. Like, yes, voice is beginning to replace uh, typing in online queries. 20% of mobile, mobile queries were made via voice. Um, and then another one I thought, um, I, I don't know what this trend is, but the global smartphone growth is slowing. Smartphones, uh, smartphone shipments grew 3%. So, I mean, the smartphones are, maybe people have the phones they already need. Um, entrepreneurs are fans of gaming. Um, what was the one you wanted to share that you thought was really good? Uh, well, I, I mean, they're all, I think they're all fantastic nuggets of information. Oh, 60%. What about that 60% one? Um, uh, in 2016, 60% of the most highly valued tech companies were founded by first or second generation Americans and are responsible for one and a half million employees. Uh, companies like Apple, Alphabet, which Alphabet is, is like the over the overlord of Google, um, Amazon, Facebook, they're all, they're all founded by immigrants or children of immigrants. So I just got to say immigrants, we get the job done. (laughs) (laughs) A little Hamilton reference. If you guys haven't noticed. Well, and it speaks to why like San Francisco in particular, Silicon Valley kind of, I mean, freaked out is probably the wrong word, but when the whole visa thing had the H1B visas, yeah, when that came down or was, was being discussed, it's like, Hey, <laughs> a lot of our smartest people and best business people and entrepreneurs are not from here originally. <laughs> and employing and employing one and a half million people yes. and contributing a, a stupid amount of dollars and tech and innovation, everything we love day to day. So basically it is everything that makes America great. Right. Right. Um, so it's great to see this stat in here. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, and these are just um, kind of pulled out on a recode article because recode is the ones who hosted code conference, yep. um, but wearables uh, are gaining adoption. About 25% of America's own a wearable, which wearables define that a little bit. Adam, because that covers a, a, like a wide range. Yeah, you know, from an Apple Watch to a Fitbit, um, to I, I think like any little tiny type of little sleep sensor. Uh, but w- one thing, why why this is interesting for me is a couple of years ago she put this report out, and it, it was very similar. Like a large percentage of Americans own wearables, but don't wear them. <laughs> so they were basically that. Maybe it was two years ago or three years ago. Um, the storyline was Americans are owning and then abandoning their wearable, um, wasting. So I, I think finally, like, I would say the expectations of a wearable caught up to the expectation of the owner. So they were getting out what they wanted and needed. Um, there's, there's a ton of information in here about uh, media. So essentially, like, in 10 years, Netflix went from zero to more than 30% of home entertainment revenue. Which in reality, that that's the one I wanted to bring up too. In in a decade, yeah. they went from zero to more than thirty percent. So that zero to thirty sounds great, 
but it wasn't real quick. No. Uh, like Drake would say. <laughs> um, it was within 10 years. And I would say, out without even knowing this, the actual specific stats, my educated guess would be they're stretching it to say in 10 years. But in reality, it was probably more so in the last like five years. Yeah. The majority of it. And, yeah. You know, like, I mean, just, just going by what the advance, the advances have been with Netflix and streaming uh, movies and, and Netflix subscriptions and the, the talker and then all the others that are jumping on board with Amazon that's had Amazon video and, and Apple TV, iTunes, all that. I mean, it's no surprise that the Netflix is in 30 is, is uh, the 30% with TV viewership continuing to decline. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the hot take right now, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is, Oh, everyone's moving off TV. It's a, well, there's been some numbers that have come out recently that don't quite show that don't quite support that people are leaving TV and not watching television. Um, it's, it's changing, but there's still plenty of people watching television. Number one. Oh, totally. You know, uh, the, the, with, uh, with Netflix, I really think with the, with this 30%, I'm curious to see where we are in another couple of years because to single out Netflix and say it's 30%. Now is Netflix going to be the one that somehow like kind of dies off because Amazon is, is so prevalent and Amazon you get, so much with a prime membership. Right. You know, I, I'm a household. We have, well, actually we have Hulu. Also we have Netflix. Yep. We have Amazon prime. Yep. My teenager pays herself for Hulu, which is like, I don't know, seven or 10 bucks a month. Yeah. Like an HBO go or something like that. I, I have the HBO, uh, uh now, now app, yep. which is, which is cord uh, cable free. You can just watch HBO. That's 15 bucks a month, but I have that until I, I may be going back because of what AT&T has sure. done now sure. with the unlimited data and tying it. The, the bundle is so ridiculous. It's like an extra 20 bucks a month for direct TV for like everything, including the NFL package and HBO. <laughs> so I was going to say what you said, if phone carriers, if traditional companies like that didn't do what they're doing now, right. if AT&T did not buy direct TV, if T-Mobile didn't give free streaming for X services. So basically, um, I didn't have cable for like six, seven years. So like I cut the cord fully. I had the three services, Netflix, Hulu. Um, We're only on two years, by the way, for cord cutting. We haven't had cable for two years. So, but I'm fully back now, and this is why. Um, before they rolled out the whole, you know, DirecTV, AT&T bundle, I kept burning through my data. I was doing a lot of, uh, as you remember, I was doing a lot of meerkat and live streaming and burning data. And I started traveling and every time I traveled, I'd burn data. So they had a deal. Like if you got dish, you could get unlimited, which is really 22 gigs, which is really what it is today. But that was almost two years ago. So what I did is I actually have a dish on my TV, on my roof, like a real dish. But what it was it came to under like $20 less than my normal bill. Oh yeah. So now fast. I mean, so there, they got me back into TV and then I was like, there's going to be a physical dish on my TV on my roof for two years. What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> I was like, I was mad at myself, but then fast forward. Now they rolled out unlimited for everybody. So they just like 
switched me over and my bill went down less. They, uh, I don't know if you know this, but they include HBO um, and they, they bill me for two months. They give me that money back and it's free. So HBO is then free. So basically they're doing an end run to save themselves, but it's not like the TV. It's not like Comcast and Cox communication. It's, it's the Verizons, the AT&Ts and, and the T-Mobiles. Right. It's the, the Time Warners. It's the, um, it's the people who don't want to die. So obviously they hired some really smart people and said, hey, it's about content. It's about our content catalog, our availability. Um, and essentially, I bet you they did look at like an Amazon model. You buy Prime, you get everything. Yeah. <laughs> so you're thinking like – You get Audible. You yeah. get for free like a book a month or something, right? Um, you get the prime shipping, which in Arizona can sometimes mean same day. Sometimes it can be one hour. Yeah. Without doing prime now. I yeah. get it. But, but well, I think, so when I saw this change, I saw this change when Apple started offering you to be able to go buy the iPhone at the Apple store, mm-hmm. not have to go to AT&T. Yep. At, at, and finance it. So yeah. And finance it. And get Apple care with it. Yeah. But, so, but the, the key with that was definitely like you, you could, you could still go there and not pay 600 up front for the phone. Right. You could still pay their financing of 30 bucks a month for the phone. That was, so when that I, was a big I, part. I walked into AT&T and I got the new phone. Uh, it was the six, I believe when they rolled that out. So they said, Oh, you're going to get your phone here. It's like, no, I'm going to go over there and get it. Oh, well, do you need the, you know, sports package direct tv I'm like no i'm good you know we so all i'm paying it was paying for internet uh yeah internet with who's our internet cox, cox. i mean our mine is i use cox so that's it that's all i pay them for so i don't pay them for tv i pay them for internet <laughs> so they could have done this but they didn't and then at&t it was like um i'm just paying you for the surface that's it so I split up all my bills. Now they got me all back. <laughs> now they yeah. got so all they got to do now is provide internet. And we're well, and that's so that's the thing with with Cox um, is where they where they jumped in is on the internet because now they do like the, you know like not even the there's the top top you know gig life yeah with Cox that is the premium but then there's another level that is like 150 megabytes per second whatever i mean that's like a for streaming that's it works for streaming then there's like the 50 which will work also you know it's it's and it's cheaper but the difference like when you're just paying for the internet and not even cable it's it's still they're still getting you like yeah and there's no look you need the internet for all this other stuff you you kind of need the internet right i mean what What's your what's your you know, plan if you're not paying you know your internet provider? Funny. I know it's speed and I know it's speed and all that, but AOL disc it was nine ninety nine a month for AOL dial up was ten dollars a month. That was like a thing and like that was volume. I mean they literally had everyone in America going beep beep. Mm-hmm. Like, um, oh, and you were limited. Remember, it wasn't just per month; it was by the minute. Hours, yeah, hundred hours. Like it was when you think about go back and think about that because they could have, they could have certainly like changed their course 
and moved with the times because they had the market share. Yeah. They had the market share, but they, they weren't thinking enough ahead to not to change their, their, their model, their pricing model to fit the consumer's new need after that many years. I mean, it, these other, like the cable providers just came in like a AOL would have, they went in with time Warner cable, right? It yeah. became AOL time Warner, but time Warner is not everywhere. <laughs> time Warner is in, in certain places. I, th- I want to say primarily on the East coast. Yeah. It's East coast. Like right. Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. Northeast. So for whatever reason, they, they only went in with time Warner instead of like, like a Cox communications, not that Cox would have done that, but just even on that sense, maybe they tried and they, and they didn't, they couldn't do it. I mean, they, their, their move would have been to get in with a bigger. Well, no, they could have, it didn't make sense to somebody back then. They could have done a Verizon back then. Oh, right. But that's what I mean. Like maybe, maybe we don't know what they, but the, phone, but the, but the phones but, weren't there. Yeah. No, the speeds weren't there. So no one, somebody envisioned this. I mean, so that, that's really the point of this yeah. last section while we talk about this and Mary Meeker's report is because oh, this is why you are your neighborhood move DVD rental store <laughs> and you don't see the man behemoth coming because you're like, who wants to get DVDs in the mail? Some people don't even know that Netflix mailed you DVDs. And some I, people still only get them. Well, it's true. I've seen it. I've seen it. And then, of course, there's still Redbox. Redbox exists. Yeah. Redbox is a mini blockbuster. And Redbox makes which, money. Which we used to actually. We canceled Netflix at, the, at one point. We actually did. And did, you know, Redbox. But then it turned out to be like kind of like B-movies or, or the knockoff movies. But in any case, like. Well, and then they get you for the extra dollar because you don't take it back. You think, oh, yeah, I'll definitely get this back tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no, it's just another dollar. I'll just wait another day. Oh, like, eh. So, like, <laughs> using the example of, like, the neighborhood movie store, like, I'm not saying – I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm just saying be – look at these trend reports. Be thinking ahead. Don't be stuck in your ways. Go grow with it. So, like, okay, I'm a neighborhood XYZ store. Um, not going to be scared of being obsolete, somebody else taking me over, but how can I, how can I either build a thriving local uh, customer base? Like for instance, there's a bookstore in my hometown called Auto's Bookstore. Um, They've been around 150 years and they just sold. So they just sold to a family who owned a bookstore for a couple hundred years, like in Norway. So they, they, they've been in, in, in our local town for 100 years of themselves. So I just read about this in the paper. But what's interesting about it is like they like did not hurt through the whole Amazon growth, book growth cycle. They built um, special events, authors coming in. They knew exactly what it cost to survive and thrive. Well, they knew their audience. And they knew their audience and they their built, and they loved, I mean, it's still hundreds of years. And there has been companies like stationary companies in my small hometown that were there hundreds of years and are gone. But I think if you could have seen the trend of like moleskin notebooks and Etsy and crafters and, and that kind of stuff and, and Pinterest and, and rode that wave and had people come in and teach people how to do crafts instead of just saying, Oh, here's the paintbrushes. 
So I'm not like not knocking on this because it could happen to you and you could get blindsided, but where you could take, take, take the time and read these reports and kind of like dream what, what's coming next and then how you can play in that. Like this is, the, this is funny. So my friend walked into an Amazon bookstore today in New York city, hmm. a physical bookstore. Yeah. So here's the three steps of world domination. Dominate the internet for book sales. Barnes and Noble and all of the other and borders go out of business and open physical bookstores. Yep. It's silly, but it's like, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, you gotta, you gotta like flip that magic eight ball a little bit. You gotta use data plus intuition to figure out, uh, you know, don't be afraid of being replaced by robots. Don't be afraid of that kind of stuff, but you gotta like, take a breath and second and a pause and kind of think toward the future a little bit, I think. Anyways. And, and know, know your customer. I mean that, like you said, that bookstore, I mean, their customer generally is, is not the type of person it, or is the type of person that wants to go to a bookstore. Yeah. I look, I'm, I like going to the bookstore. I like go. I mean, uh, most of the time I would say, which is, this is sad and probably a lot of the reason why they're out of bit. 80% of the time I don't buy something, you know, it's, it's in, it's in the mall type of plaza or it's in a mall and you go in there, you know, the, the wife is shopping and you're like, Oh, I'm going to go in the bookstore. You may come out with something. I mean, look at magazine or whatever. Um, but, but in general, like, they just want you to be in there, <laughs> just get it. But, I, but I like, I like the actually going in the bookstore. I like the library. I don't go there often, but like it's, it, I'm tied to that from the way I came, came up. Now this, the generated millennials, I think there's, there's probably a decent percentage that, yeah, they, they came up with physical books too and the library and their school or whatever. Some are going to like it. Some aren't. My, my toddler, our toddlers, I don't know, <laughs> but that's a good, like, and we have tons of books. Like we, right. we, have, we have the eye devices and, and the Kindles for the kids and all that kind of stuff. But we read books too. Yeah. Yeah. We're we making a point and we go to the library all the time. Yep. So it's like, well, and the libraries do the, do the reading hours yeah. for moms and kids. Like if they make it a place for the moms to want to come, they serve a need and it's essentially babysitting in a sense it's so something like, to do yeah i mean <laughs> i would say like to keep it well okay let's just take it there not uh, babysitting that's a bad way no, but no, it's no. something to do downtown phoenix and if you haven't been you need to go i've told you about this a couple times there's a coffee shop called the teapot we'll uh tag them on twitter and literally these guys uh this couple i think at the time had a three-year-old or four-year-old and they felt like they couldn't go anywhere uh, he had some thriving businesses in phoenix for a long time so they, they renovated this like 1800s house in downtown Phoenix and the best kids playground stuff in the back. So you go in, get your coffee, you pay an extra $2. I think it's per kid, but it's a stamp card. Hmm. And it's amazing back there. Now I've been at places they had a playroom and some used toys and right. it was freaky. This is done right. So like one thing to remember is uh, I'm not going to like use the millennial card. I would just say people in general, especially right now are owning less and investing in experiences more. So I go to a certain restaurant 
I don't order on Uber Eats. I go to this restaurant because it's an experience. Mm-hmm. I trust. I trust the chef. Chef. I, I. I love the staff, the service, the attention to detail, and I get to like relax and recharge. Um, I would say the same thing. Like, there's places people go that, yeah, they're getting an experience. You could order online, but they're like there was a um, in San Diego. There was a bottle shop. You could just go in and get really like rare craft beer and they're using social fantastic they're putting their like they get like 15 bottles in they put it on instagram it's gone like in an hour Mm -hmm. but then right in the middle of the store is like a little tasting bar so you can come in open it up share it it's community so you know i haven't been there in a couple years but i'm still remembering that story oh well there's a lot of i mean uh supermarkets the higher end supermarkets tend to do this stuff where they have, cause they have a wine section. Like here in Arizona, we have what's uh, AJ's. Right. And that's like the high end supermarket and they do in their wine section, they have a little bar area and they do wine tastings and cheese pairings and stuff. Like you can go and you can, I think you can do, you can pay for it like just your own session or you can, they do it like a couple times a week where you, you're with other people. Um, but guess what? I mean, it's, it's just getting, it's getting people in, it's getting people in. They're trying yeah. the wine that you sell, the cheese that you sell <laughs> and they're paying to, they're paying to walk in your supermarket, yeah, <laughs> your store. They're yeah. pay- and then they're, they're very likely, especially if it's a date, or a couple. So I know I get roped into buying the wine. If we go to a winery or something, we have to buy the wine, you know, unless it's ridiculously expensive, but you're going to buy, like there's going to be a purchase too. So, so tying it back into the, the whole small business aspect, do these little things that, that guy, the teapot, you know, what's going to make a parent like me or my wife bring our child to that place and pay the extra $2 right. versus going to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's That's where, she, you know, my toddler loves those places just as much, just as much the playgrounds there. She, they do, they do have a giant pirate fort. That's her yeah. gym. See, so that's the thing. So, so it's like these, you said it's, it's a high, higher end. They have really cool stuff. They, yeah. I mean that, that basically that they don't pocket that, that money, right? Something breaks, they replace it. Uh, the guys plus from, it's local. Yeah, the guys from London. He and he, he's they're also loving the city, but the guys from London originally. So he has that accent. So he'll do story time. Uh-huh. They, do, they do theme days. That's great. Um, he owns this like double decker bus company. So for Christmas, um, you go, you get your hot chocolate, and he gives you a tour around. That's amazing. So I mean, I, I am totally a fan of these guys now, and because you told us about that, I'm going there, and I will tell my wife about it. And that's the other angle is supporting local business. I and mean, you can you can work there too in the front. You can work there as a dad and doing social, and you can have your kids play in the back. You oh yeah, break. of course, of course. And uh, but that's not a. I mean, you know, that could be for me. I don't know if that's a a pull because you could do that at Chick Fil A, McDonald's too. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean, like literally, it's it's more the for me the pull for that would be it's a different place and it's yeah. a local business that I want to support small business locally. I, I think it's about, I literally just kind of like put a bow on this. I think it's about experience. And then I know I'd also say to tie to social. Yeah. Make sure if you're doing a lot of Instagram and you're a coffee shop, make sure that those photos you're sharing on there match the experience. 
make sure you're not taking them off Google. Make sure that your barista is snapping that. So when you go in and I order that coffee and I've had this situation happen before, I'm like, it was like fake Instagram photos <laughs> and it was all perception, Pretty, but it didn't match. So like, I know like, you know, one of my favorite places is, is crepe bar. Um, and he shares a lot of, uh, customer photos. Um, because Real. yeah, it's not gonna, you're not gonna fake that or he'll, you know, he'll real repost with everything. Yeah. With their, and, yeah, they get credit for it. But I go there too for an experience and, uh, actually went down to, uh, in when I'm in San Francisco, I love the Alamo draft house movie theater. It in San Francisco, it's in a hundred year old theater. It's kind of quirky. You can order food, like a lot of local food. Uh, there's so many like quirky things about it. Uh, they, you get there 30 minutes ahead of time and they, they basically uh, human curate funny, quirky trailers. So if it's a super, a super uh, hero movie, everything is like, like you and I made a Superman movie in our backyard and they find that on YouTube and curate it. So I took my friend, Jeff, he, that's funny. He owns crepe bars, took him down to, uh, we have an Alamo here in Arizona. It's down yeah. like you have a couple. It's basically on the border of Arizona. <laughs> it was far. It was far, but the, the guy who owns it's opening one in Tempe. So it's a little bit closer for me, but in anyways, I took him down there because I'm like, I, I'm not going to say this is exactly like San Francisco because that theater is hundred years old, but it's an experience. Mm -hmm. But then what I'm doing is I'm taking you to something different. Yes. We could go. We saw like guardians of the galaxy. It's funny. Um, we could see that any theater and these weren't the best seats, but the way they did it, it was just unique and different. And, and see, I'm different because I wouldn't, that movie specifically movies like that. I've, it's a, I have like a pet peeve, not to get too into this, but my, for me personally, the bigger movies like that, I need to see them at a big yeah. cinema with the sound that like the crazy sound, but I definitely go to the other, like Alamo. I haven't been to Alamo yet. You keep telling me that I, I need to go. I signed up for their VIP. Well, program. they have those movie parties for like yeah. five bucks and they have such cool stuff. And it's just one of those things that we just need to go. We haven't yet. Um, but, oh, and, oh, I meant to say this and they actually have, um, again, this is all about like small business, but also yeah. knowing your audience, knowing your audience and where we come in is using social to, so I saw all this stuff on social. They do a great job on Facebook. They get a whole kid's summer series. Mm -hmm. and it said, pay one, two, three, or $5. And I'm like, oh, what is that? Well, you pick one, two, three, or five movies. And they accommodate the kids. So it's like they, they like raise the lights a little bit. They, they're not uptight about running around. Um, and they have a kid's menu. They don't need to do that. Right. But they know that they're down in like Chandler or something family city yeah so it's like they they know what they're you know lots you, of families you, in know, yeah. you know when i go to the theater in san francisco you do not get that you know right you make it's also a, lots of it's it's lots of young families in Chandler. yeah demographic with people with, with little kids that it totally makes sense for them to do that and that they probably recognize that before they even moved into that city that, for sure that that could be something let me i want to throw this in too yeah, about experience real quick um, cause one thing that I've run into a lot and you probably have too in the last couple of years, especially because of the live streaming is live streaming at, um, conferences, um, conventions, more so conferences, like industry conferences of whatever industry it may be. There is a stigma, even in the social media industry about live streaming at conferences of like sessions. They don't want 
necessarily people to do that because they figure, oh, well, everyone that's here paid to be here. If we're going to live stream it, we'll live stream it. So the quality will be the tops and we'll control it. And we'll also release it. We'll benefit from it by releasing it on our website or right. making people pay a virtual ticket. Um, making, or, a, making a wall garden. A wall garden, absolutely. Um, and, and also that the, the, the uh, perceived benefit is that the people that didn't pay to come and maybe even didn't pay for a virtual ticket, you know, they don't get to see it the content until like three months from now when yeah. we'll release it publicly for free when we read between the lines when we can't make any more money off of it. Right. Cause the content is probably even out of date by then to a certain extent. So my, my kind of point here is that if, if it wasn't about the experience, if it was not about the experience at these conferences, if it was not about the networking and hanging out, meeting new people, seeing the people that you've seen there in previous years or that you know already, that you know are going. It's about the people that are there. These conferences are about the people that are there and the right. networking. If it was not about that, there'd be no reason for them to have anyone, there'd be no reason for anyone to go right. when the people that are putting it on could just live stream people standing on a stage or doing videos of presentations and you pay for that. You're not paying for you're not even paying for the content to, to some degree. You're paying for the experience of being allowed access into the building to talk with people that you haven't met or you know and, and connecting. That's what you're paying for at these conferences. So it's always, it's always funny to me, like, like social media day. I was going to say, again, you must we're live streaming as much as possible. I was going to say, you must have your mind on social media day because um, not only are we live streaming, like having those people on our page, live streaming as contributors but i you know if i have to do it myself i'll stand there and hold uh something that will live stream sessions so because it's number one it's a free event even if we were having people pay for the the part, portion that galvanized during the day with the sessions and the panels and stuff i would still be live streaming it i don't care that it's out there like that people if you if you want to just watch the live stream go for it if you want to come and actually enjoy the experience, right? And, and come that, to the event. And that's a future mindset. You're going to have 25% more people come next year because you're like, I, I see that all the time with conferences. Right. Do that's the live. added benefit. They'd say, Oh, I'm going to make it next year. I'm going to go next year. Like, listen, I've been going to South by Southwest for 10 years. Pretty much. I mean, definitely all the main speakers and the main sessions, they video and they put on YouTube a couple months later, but or you've seen those people even give those, those same talks or presentations sure. to some extent, even months before that. <laughs> but I mean, this year was my first year I went, I didn't even buy a ticket to the conference so I can go watch those videos later, but I went to the meetup with the people and have yeah. that. I mean, so many stories like, and things, you know, the job I have today and, and uh, just thinking about like Mary Meeker's report in real life. So essentially like being with people, uh, the smarter people in the room, being with people that who are shaping and forming and what's next. Uh, so yeah, it, it, if you have that mindset, so don't go into the room, be like, go to the corner. You know, I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but it's a good, <laughs> be social. That's a practical yeah, we're advice. We're done. We're done with it now though. <laughs> we are. Well, let's get to the question of the question of the show. First off, how do you personally pronounce Cove Fifi. 
Kofifi. Yeah, I, I say Kofifi. Kofifi it is. So to take it to the beginning of the show uh, with POTUS's tweet, uh, what was the best response or meme that you have seen to Kofifi? Uh, for me, it's my question. I got to answer because I'm probably going to take yours. <laughs> no, you probably won't. Um, I like, I always love, 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 love um, Merriam-Webster's Twitter account. They are such on point. I mean, way, way to make, way to make dictionaries practical, right? <laughs> so they basically said people were tweeting them because every time something like somebody misspells a word or uses it incorrectly, um, they, uh, they bring their A game. So they basically said, wakes up, checks Twitter. Uh, and then like measure lookups for Kofifi. Co regrets, tre regret, <laughs> regrets checking Twitter, goes back to bed. And they got 94,000 retweets, 213,000 likes. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny because they could have made something up, but that was kind of thinking like what most people probably thought. It was, look, they're always on point. That account is, is crazy. The girl who runs that, it was a feature. Um, I think Fast Company might have written it on her back early, like around the beginning of this year. Um, she's, she's amazing. That account, that's my new favorite account for 2017. I had not followed yes. it before. Discovery of the day. Yeah. Well, I mean. Discovery of the year. <laughs> my, my, the two, I'm going to say more, they're not my, they're not my favorites. They're the ones that I noticed the okay. most because which makes sense because one was by uh trump one was by clinton um so hillary came back out uh actually i don't know er, er, earlier tonight and she was, a, she was at code conference speaking yeah she was but then she she quoted um she quoted the president's tweet after that that he tweeted about hillary talking at the conference saying that she now blames everybody. This is his tweet was crooked Hillary Clinton now blames everybody, but herself refuses to say that she was a terrible candidate hits Facebook and even Dems and DNC. That was his tweet today after her appearance at the conference, she quoted his tweet and wrote people in Kofifi houses shouldn't throw Kofifi. <laughs> right. So that was pretty solid, right, for a politician, number one. But, I mean, she, she's pretty savvy on social media. Whether or not she actually created that. Right, knows. right, right, right. Um, but that got 300,000 uh, favorites and 140,000 retweets. Wow. Um, but the other one was even earlier than that. It must have been shortly after, a few hours after he tweeted the Kofifi tweet. He put out another one. Did you see this, Adam? No. He put oh. this out. Was it the one in the morning, like, figure out what it is? Yeah, he said, who can figure out the true meaning of Kofifi? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Enjoy. Like, yeah. so it was him, because he's the only one that puts enjoy. He does that out all his, when he, when he talks about his TV appearances on, on Fox. That's funny. Whatever he says, enjoy. The, but, but that was, like, and then Spicer came out in the press conference and said, oh, yeah, only the president and a few trusted people know, actually know what it means. Like, trying to pretend like someone it was an actual message anyway not to get too crazy political but well, yeah but early on in the night it, i saw some funny ones before they turned into this in the morning it was like oh yeah people were doing country check-ins like norway i'm still here because it's like did he did is this rosebud 
<laughs> is this the last word? But uh, Citizen Kane reference for those of you who don't know what that is. But and I wasn't gonna make a tweet today, but I ended up doing it because there was a, uh, it was it was applicable. Uh, there was a news story on Auto Radio uh, about its spelling bee spelling bee week this uh, this week. Yes. So Scripps National Spelling Bee. It's gonna be broadcast. Uh, I think tomorrow. The the only the finals are on TV. I wish it was live. I don't know why it's not. Oh my goodness! Can we just like more than hashtags tweets them because why why isn't it live as a as a former spelling bee champion what um that dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, no lie no lie i have everything everything to prove it sixth grade i won my state spelling bee oh, i'm gonna find a word right now and you, i was you, i was supposed talk. to i was supposed to go to washington dc and be in the national contest and something happened where the news, the local newspaper screwed some up some paperwork or something is what the excuse was and why I didn't go. Um, and at that time, this was pre internet. There was really no, there wasn't a way to be like, Oh, they sent someone else instead of me because they liked that person more or, or something else happened. Like there was no way to really research it. <laughs> this is like the mid eighties. Um, but I, I have the plaque, I have every, the pictures, and um, I vividly remember it. The word that I won on was escalator. Escalator. Yep, sixth grade, which is different than seventh and eighth. Mine was the specifically like the sixth grade. Oh, no, no, wait, was it? No, it was, it was sixth, seventh, and eighth, now that I think about it. Where's the plaque? Where is it? Sixth, I don't know. It's, it's dude, uh, somewhere. It's buried. I have. I'm going through like Fortune magazine right now, an actual physical copy, trying to find a word for you to spell. But I will just say, uh, <laughs> with that, I'll just say it was worth going over our 22-minute uh, challenge, which we, yeah, we uh, which we doubled. We uh, failed miserably, was, and I'm not editing this to, so it's down to 22 minutes. Oh no, minutes. it was a good show. It was <laughs> this is the kind of show, and hopefully our guests are, uh, you know, listeners um, agree. Like it was fluid, it was natural. We had some like notes, but I felt like this was, you know, we're, we're seven, eight, eight episodes in, um, we six, a couple guest episodes. Well, seven with guests. Six. What? What's the, is, oh, is Jesse, Jesse is like the bonus episode. So bonus I guess episode. technically seven. And if you count all the ones we like recorded and, and ditched. <laughs> we're not counting those. We're also <laughs> not counting episode zero. So what I'm saying is like, I feel like, yeah, I mean. Every week we'll try to get 22 minutes. No, we won't. No, we won't. We'll just, <laughs> just do the show. Because the, 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 uh, the result of the poll that I, that I saw today that someone asked, they got a lot of response about opinion. How, how long should a podcast be? What do you listen to? It was, it was mixed. It was some yeah. people are just like, nope, I only like short ones. And as I said, it's all opinion because until someone, Apple Podcasts, until someone actually reveals statistics on a full range. I mean, and and the thing is... They won't. Well, you can't because like, so like Auto Radio, a company I work for, we can can give stats to podcasters. They can claim their podcast, tag it for optimization. We can give them stats on when people drop off, but within our network, only within our network. So if there's a host over here, host ABC can only give stats on just that. So it's like, I could dream, right? <laughs> I, I think there's, there's a different motive. 
Well, what you said, well, you for said Apple, for Apple. I, yeah. I, honestly, I think that their motive is that if they release a stat, yeah, right, 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 right. Then everyone's going to shoot for that time. Well, and you said like, it's not, a, it's about content. If you have good content, that's, that's valuable. Yeah. That's yeah. valid. That's valid. It totally is. It's a, I, like I said, I mean, I prefer longer ones, but it's because the ones that I like that I listen to are, they just tend, they're like hour long shows. They, yeah, sure. It's people that I like to listen to. Malcolm Gladwell, Bill Simmons. How did this get made? It's really funny. Like I'm, I'm sad when it's over. Which Gladwell's, you know? Gladwell's uh, revisionist history is yep. back. Season two is back. Season two. Excited about that. House of Cards and, and revisionist history. Um, boom. I'm ready this week. So House of Cards just dropped on Tuesday. Let's do a little check here. Oh uh, we're, re- we're recording this on a Wednesday night. Oh, wait, Tuesday. Well, so Monday at midnight, Tuesday at midnight. Yeah, so it's been a day and a half, right? <laughs> yep. and, and I know people like Kerry Flynn that I mentioned earlier with Mashable. She posted. She already watched them all. Yeah, I have two friends that watched them all first yeah. night. So let me, I'm going to open up Netflix right now. Where I, don't, I don't like doing that. I want to savor them. Right, so where are you at right now? Two. I just finished two. Okay, so I'm two and a half. So it seems like what I'm doing right now is yep. like, I did one and a half that first night because I just yep. couldn't stop. <laughs> Well, actually, but, to, to be honest, I fell asleep. Yeah, you fell I, asleep because that's what happened on my first night. I fell asleep halfway through episode it, one. Yeah, and I slid it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, so, like, last time, like, I woke up in the morning. I was like, actually, I woke up with the phone in my hand. And because it like, we, <laughs> we, okay, full disclosure, we both have kids, uh, young kids. So, you have young and older kid. We were tired dads that work full, full-time jobs. So, I wish. Typically that, up until midnight, though. So do you know how like some podcast apps have sleep timers? <clears throat> yes, most of them, if not all, all of them soon. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I use I use religiously every no, night. I set my sleep timer and fall asleep to a podcast every night. Tag tag Netflix with this idea. Like I really generally want some a, a sleep sensor to, to pause the show. <laughs> huh. Somehow like it could be a movement. I mean, I know I, I get it. Like that's, that's not, doesn't make a lot of sense because I bet you a lot of people do watch on an iPad or their phone. I bet you they do. No, but you could set it. I mean, it, it would make total sense because it's not like you have to have it. It just automatically does it. It's something that you set like you do on a podcast yeah. to set when this episode ends. Like that's what I typically use is when this episode ends, it will shut off. And the episodes I listen to are like an hour. I'm always asleep almost pretty quickly. So if it's, Oh, never mind. This is really smart. Yeah. Because TVs, Roku's, Apple TVs. So this is just an API. This is like. Well, the TVs have sleep timers. Well, hold on a second. This is like, this is even smarter. This is like two years from now. This is a collaboration with a wearable because there's a lot of like sleep trackers and Fitbits. Uh huh. So it's an API plugin to an Apple TV, a Roku, anybody. Basically, they're plugging an API to your wearable. Or, or the app. It doesn't because I don't watch it on TV. I watch it on my phone. I, my, I know. Yeah, I was just including people with TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the same thing too. It could actually track movement on your phone because even if you're holding your phone and watching it, um, you're still switching sides. It's moving. I know. Like, it's sad. It's weird. But you know, especially with parents, like, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and my wife's watching like movies or Hallmark or you know a Narnia movie or something. I don't even say anything. I'm just like, you get you get your uh, you get your rest, girl. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's. It's sometimes crazy with the kids. It's like yep. we're tired and we got to get up in the morning, but like that little bit of time is a respite. So like, uh, I don't know why I'm going off on a little tangent here. We started watching uh, with the family. Like we want to, our daughters have always been dancing. 
this is this, this is a little bit of uh more than hashtags more than hashtags what more than it's getting late right more than hash dads you can edit that part out <laughs> i'm not editing editing Go. one take oh but anyway so we wa- started watching um there's a dance show on tv so like a real tv show but my daughters love to dance so we were watching as a family together um i don't know just thought it was kind of funny because like a lot of times you hear <clears throat> you hear about like couples watching shows together but not together so two couple two couples watching house of cards and, and binge watching ahead of the other one so i don't know oh I, yeah my wife thinking, doesn't even watch it i i've lost her on most shows binge watching she yeah most shows she goes to sleep early and gets it gets up early so well, i think like that's probably like how people make shows now like they know that this show is not for everyone it's for like that one person or i don't know yeah man more than hash dads <laughs> we got Ed, we uh i think that's a good place to to stop for this week yeah so as always make sure to tweet us at hashtags pod uh answer your your best re- response you've seen to uh Kofifi or you know something else that we mentioned like a misspelling or how did somebody answer that um as well as any i like i'm gonna read this every time i swear as any feedback suggestions wild accusations or circumstantial evidence to the contrary <laughs> thanks for tuning in that's our policy it is our policy that's you guys you didn't read it but you subscribed to it thanks vincent later as always i appreciate it have a great week see you guys next week